It's Daily Thunder, thundering out the truth of Jesus Christ live every morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more about our discipleship programs or to support this podcast, visit ellerslie.com. Now, here's today's special guest, Dan McConaughey. All right. This subject that I'm going to talk about is Elkanah. Elkanah was one of the names of God. I first encountered it 12, or or the thought of it, about 12 years ago when I was uh, working with Del Tackett on the Truth Project. And he made a comment in there. He says, I am so grateful that God is Elkanah. And Elkanah means the God who is jealous. And we unfortunately have a pretty serious, um, seriously low view of jealousy. We don't see jealousy as a good thing. It's associated with envy and anger and spousal abuse and things like that. So maybe four or five years ago, I did a, um, I did two devotionals, and one of them was on Yahweh that says, Yah, remember, is God is, I am, actually Yah means he is, and Wei means that he is, and he is actively something. And so you you realize that it says in um, Exodus 20, it says, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. For the Lord, Yahweh, your God, Adonai, is a jealous God, Elkanah. So Yahweh, he is, and he is actively jealous. He is actively jealous. So the Truth Project said, where would we be if he wasn't Elkanah? And so what we need to do is develop an understanding of Elkanah, what that means. In Exodus 34, the second time that Moses enumerated the Ten Commandments, he says, You shall not worship any other god, for the Lord, Yahweh, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. And in Hebrew, the word jealous is unique in that it is a noun and an adjective. Here we say the noun is jealousy. I mean, the noun, yeah, the noun is jealousy. The adjective is jealous. I am jealous. I have jealousy. But in Hebrew, it's the same word. So when God says, I am jealous God, it's an issue of nature and character. To the point that that's what his name is. That's what his name is. 
The actual words, both in the New Testament and the Old Testament, are used about 90 times. 64 of them with reference to a positive thing. And 46 of them referring to humans having godly jealousy. Now, the problem that we have is that that's not characteristic of our culture and society. You read any psychology books, any counseling books, any relationship-based books, whether they are Christian or secular. Jealousy is a negative thing to be avoided at all costs. And yet, it's used of the concept, not just the, the word itself. Remember, the word itself is used 90 times approximately in Scripture. And about 64 of those times refer to a positive sense, and 46 of them refer to God himself. I mean, refer to humans using it. But as far as the concept, when we develop an understanding of the concept of jealousy, 228 times it refers to God, and 246 times it refers to humans. So we have this concept of jealousy. It's also translated sometimes zeal or envy or emulation, things like that. But, in, and in fact, in English, we almost invariably use jealousy and envy synonymously. And yet they are absolutely different. Absolutely different. Jealousy... The literal use of jealousy is the ardent desire to maintain exclusive devotion within a relationship in the face of a challenge to that exclusive devotion. Envy means wanting something that's not yours. Jealousy means wanting something that is yours. That relationship. And jealousy always requires a, re- a relationship. The requirements of jealousy are love, a lover, a beloved, a covenant relationship, and a threat or vi- violation of a threat to that covenant relationship. That's what has to be in place for there to be a legitimate, jealous response. And the response says, I will rise up and do what is necessary to protect the relationship. We hear people say, oh, I'm jealous for the truth. Well, that probably is an invalid use of it. I'm jealous for the word of God. Maybe a little bit more valid, but it speaks specifically to our relationship with God or God's relationship with his people. Zeal, again, is an ardent desire to see a particular desire come about. Envy is an ardent desire to gain possession of something that you don't currently possess. And to emulate means an ardent desire to gain possession of an ability that's held by another. 
Now, the negative side of both envy and emulation is the desire to destroy the other person who has that if you can't get it. I would rather, in other words, I would rather kill that person than have him have the girl I want. I would rather kill that person than have him hold the position in the business that I want. So oftentimes, jealousy is seen as the prompter of a crime of passion. God's jealousy, the jealousy that God himself has, we can see basically three areas. It's self-focused. And it's the only case where self-focused jealousy is ever valid. He wants to protect what relationship is it that he's protecting? Hmm? If it's self-focused, the relationship that he's protecting is the Trinity. The community within which there is perfect union. So, his glory, his honor, his name, his position, God will go after that when it's violated He also protects the faithfulness of his people who glorify him, honor him, and bear his name. Because as soon as the ones who bear his name, you'll find that out once you get married, that when you take somebody else's name, you're all of a sudden responsible for upholding that name. It was, I can remember an interesting thing where when I got out of the service, I wanted to get a job, and I tried to, um, I tried to figure out where to go to work, and my dad talked to a friend of ours, and he worked at a print shop. I, was a, I had worked at a print shop for several years before I was, while I was in high school, and so this guy came and he called me up on the phone and asked me if I'd go to work for him. And I said, well, can I come in for an interview and talk to you? And he says, you don't need to. And I said, why? And he says, because you're McConaughey. Oh. <laughs> I could have destroyed the McConaughey name by going in and being a bad employee. Or I could have upheld that name by being a good employee. So when I finally ended up leaving and and moving away, that manager who hired me, he says, are there any other McConaughey's out there that I could hire? And I said, well, I, I know one who owns his own print shop already up in Washington, and, and then I know this guy. He says, I don't care if they're printers or not. He says, I'm looking for the character. You send me a guy with character, I'll make a good printer out of him. We have the faithfulness of his people. That's where, where God is jealous for. And he's jealous on behalf of his people. Now, this, these two can kind of fall in together. In, in other words, there's internal threats to God's people's faithfulness. And there's external threats to God's people and their faithfulness. We look at Paul. He says, people will come in from outside 
Wolves will come in from outside. This is Acts 20 when he was talking to the Ephesian elders. And men will arise from among yourselves. Two threats. Two threats. Paul was saying that out of what? Jealousy for God's people. Contemporary views of jealousy are almost either non-existent or worthless. They're weak, polluted. I found two books, and I, I have a lot of search capabilities, and I found two books, Christian books, that represented the jealousy of God as a positive thing. One was in English, one was in French. You like that, don't you? <laughs> and it was a two-volume book, so there's actually three volumes. <laughs> and then there was a, a Jewish man named Arnold Fruchtenbaum who uh, did his doctoral thesis at Dallas Theological Seminary. And his thesis was on the, the jealousy of God as a positive thing. So I found that's all I could find. In secular literature, it is primarily and almost exclusively seen as the main cause of spousal abuse, and uh, it's considered a destructive, primitive emotion, whether in God or in man. And with, re with respect to being in God, since jealousy is the result of personal and relational insecurity, right? Then a jealous God is an abusive and insecure God, according to the majority of Christian writing. And for example, a quote by um, Augustine, and this was a long time ago. Augustine was before I was born. <laughs> he said, we cannot attribute an emotion of man such as jealousy, to an immutable, unchanging God. And yet God says, I am jealous to the extent that my name is jealous. So our culture has made the jealousy of God and godly jealousy in man uncomfortable, hard to understand, and literally to be avoided at all costs. So let me share a couple of things with you. It makes us passive because jealousy always demands an active response. So when we are passive, when we believe that jealousy is a sin to be avoided at all costs, it makes us passive. And to get on the other side, it makes us non-resistant. I don't believe a person can be passive and non-resistant and be a leader. Because what is a leader going to be challenged with? Negative threats. Threats. Going to be, he's going to, that's why he's a leader. He's taking people somewhere. And sometimes those people don't want to go. And sometimes there's exterior or external forces against that. It has, the, the view of jealousy can be traced directly to disrespect for exclusive relationships. 
And so we have situations like um, polygamy, androgyny. Um, there's all kinds of weird things that are going on about, okay, if we make it so that two guys can be married, then how about making it so that three guys can be married? Or four guys and a cow? Or two women and a tree? Once we've taken the break away from something that needs to be jealously protected, a relationship with a covenant that's going to be, that is being threatened, what, what's left? So, we also see a de-emphasis on God's holiness and God's call for man's holiness. Because that is based on our covenant relationship that God says, this violates, your unholiness violates our relationship. Well, it's much easier to not like jealousy than it is to give up our unholiness. And so we'll deny jealousy rather than give up our unholiness. So the general trend is to only acknowledge God's emotions that are popular in society. The whole concept of emotion is, a, is kind of an interesting thing, too. We'll get to it in just a little bit. God chose not to read YouTube videos or math or uh, trees or climate. He chose words. And so if God used words to communicate to us, and he says, I am a jealous God, and my name is Jealous, And if you'll notice, the whole reason for the second commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me, because for I am a jealous God. That's the reason that he gave the the first and second commandment. It's because he is a jealous God. So the only way that we can know God is to take him at his word. And if we're going to speak truthfully about God, we have to speak about him as he revealed himself. So we want to understand a bit about jealousy is not a passing mood. It's something that is resident in the character of God and in the character of godly people. It's a portion of nature. And here's an interesting thing. That makes it not a passing mood or an emotion to be exp- that flies off the handle sometime. It's always there. Why does it have to always be there? Because there's always attack. There's always a threat. There's always the danger of forsaking the purity and simplicity of devotion to Christ. You'll notice how that's preceded. Paul says, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. Are we jealous? And others' relationships with God, with a godly jealousy. It's an eternal foundational character and nature of God. And yet, the three most uh, 
what would we call it, the three basic texts on the characters of the character and nature and attributes of God, Stephen Charnock's, Arthur Pink's, and A.W. Tozer's, none of them mention jealousy at all. I have all those volumes. I have both volumes of Stephen Charnock's, and I went through it looking for this. A.W. Tozer's and Arthur Pink's, they don't mention. They don't mention it. Nobody seems to want to mention knowledge that a fundamental attribute of God's character is jealousy. If it wasn't for his jealousy, he would not have come. And jealousy is tied specifically to love. So if God so loved the world, why did he come to defeat an enemy? Because he was jealous. He knew that the enemy, he had 4,000 years of proof that the enemy was out to destroy a relationship. With reference to his glory, Ezekiel alone has 65 references to people responding to an attack on God's glory. We have God's jealousy for his people. Since God is glorified by the faithfulness of the people, he responds with jealousy to their unfaithfulness when he sees unfaithfulness. What is unfaithfulness called when it's between a husband and a wife? Adultery. What is unfaithfulness called when it's between God and his people? Adultery or idolatry. Those are the two main things. Adam and Eve committed a level of spiritual adultery or idolatry when they valued a fruit more than their relationship with God. And God intervened with jealousy and said, you have no more access to this garden. When the children of Israel, the next ones that he said, okay, you're going to represent me. Adam and Eve were supposed to represent him. He says, you're made in my image. To the children of Israel, he says, you guys are going to represent me. They didn't. What did they do? They went after idols. They went after idols. It's interesting. When was the first, what was the first evidence that we have of the, of the people of God going after idols? Mm-hmm. Okay. Are we, are we agreed with that? What did Rebecca sit on? In Ezekiel, it says, you guys worshipped idols while you were in Egypt. At what time was Israel not an idol-worshipping people? At what time? They never, they never got past it. Forty-three passages about God's jealousy on behalf of his people. Godly human jealousy, again, like is on behalf of God's glory, for the faithfulness of God's people, on behalf of God and others. Scripture overflows with it. I want to take a couple of, look, look at some of these things. And this one with Phineas is really a unique one because Phineas, most of us know Phineas as Hophni's brother. But this is a different Phineas, one that we're not quite so familiar with. 
a grandson of Aaron. Uh, he was the ruler of the temple gatekeepers. Um, he was the commander of the army that fought against the Midianites in numbers. He was the protector of worship in Israel when the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh built their own altar. He, defend, he was the defender of God's honor and war counselor against Benjamin concerning the Levite concubine. He's spoken of throughout Hebrew history on a same level as Moses and David. And his traditional name, even today among the Jews, is third in glory in Israel. And yet we don't have all that much information about him. But what we do know in Psalm 106 is the reference in the story, if we look in Numbers 25, we find that there was an adulterous people. Again, the marriage metaphor. God's judgment, an example for the church in 1 Corinthians Verse 8 points back to that issue. And in 10, verse 11, God says, idolatry. Lone, a woman and an Israelite man, and they were connected in the door of the temple, of the tabernacle. And Phineas went with his spear and shoved it through both of them. Killed them both. He was the lone voice. And the interesting thing is, is God relented in his judgment and delivered Israel. That, that enough, that jealousy that he had, Moses was standing there watching it also. So as jealous as Moses was, he missed the boat on this one. He commended Phineas for it, but he didn't do it. So because of glory, his reputation. Phineas is a type of Christ. We have David. It's interesting that Saul called Goliath a man. David called Goliath an uncircumcised Philistine who defies the army of the living God. Kind of a jealous statement concerning the armies of the people who were being attacked. And it's noted that when David killed Goliath, that it, remo- it says that he removed this disgrace from Israel. His own reputation or benefit. It was solely for God's honor and for the salvation of the people. That's what he did. David's jealousy for God was a standard in Asa and King Josiah. Both of them talked about their jealousy as being similar to David's. Elijah and the prophets of Baal. We remember that. In, and you remember in James, 7, James 5, 17 and 18, where it says that we are of like, um, what is it called? Uh, what's, the, what's the term, Nathan? Eli says that with regards to prayer, that we're, he is a man of like 
like passions as us. I always used to think that that meant that he was weak like us. I think it means we're supposed to be jealous like him. I've always wondered, does that mean he should be full of jealousy for God like he was when he dealt with the prophets of Baal who were interfering with the relationship between God and his people? He only killed 450 of them, right? (laughs) That was a rather strong way. That would be frowned on, I bet, in our society. That probably wouldn't be too acceptable. John the Baptist was jealous for God and his people. Jesus was jealous for the worship of God, jealous for the house of God. Stephen was jealous for the faithfulness and obedience of God's people. Peter was jealous for obedience to God and the honor of God and the people of God. Paul was jealous for God, for his people, for his obedience, for devotion, all kinds of things. So the conclusions that I've come to is that if God is jealous and says it's his name, we have to understand and is prompted by his love. His jealousy is an act of love. We have to be that way. It's motivated, we need to be motivated by and act according to God. Life, our ministry, our purpose must foremost be centered on the glory, honor, reputation, and truth of God and demonstrated by our care for his people. Jealousy for God's name and glory and honor is a predominant emotion in us. It will have a profound effect on everything. We will be profoundly obedient. We will be profoundly devoted to Christ. Profoundly pure. Profoundly humble. It will first be profoundly intentional both in its, pers- in its pursuit of God and no other gods. We won't be interested in another god. We won't wonder. We won't think, well, I wonder if, wonder if I should try that thing. I wonder if I should do that. Now, one of the things that I did, that I thought about, do you guys remember that you had a class from me called Finishing Well? Do you remember what percentage of biblical leaders did not finish well. 70%. 70% did not finish well. Do you know what one of the characteristics was of the 30% who did? Jealousy. Now, I went through, and this was a fun thing to do, I got online and I went through and studied out the qualifications for hiring pastors in our culture. And I have the qualifications of a worship pastor, qualifications uh, of an executive pastor, qualifications of a senior pastor, uh, general pastoral qualifications, and general pastoral qualifications. These are from called, um, this one is Acts 29, under biblical qualifications for a pastor. 
This is from mypastor.com. And this one is from www.hirechurchstaff.com. Not H-I-G-H-E-R, but H-I-R-E. How to hire church? Not one of them. Not one of them. Jealousy as a character quality necessary leadership. This is a this practicum is geared towards preparation for ministry. If you guys do not have jealousy, godly jealousy, as a part of your toolbox, you will fail in ministry. You will allow the enemy entrance. You will allow yourself and your people to be distracted. And you will cause the name of the Lord to be blasphemed. That's one of the things that happened, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that when Christian or godly leaders allowed themselves to be distracted from their devotion to God and the glory of God, it says it caused the name of the Lord to be blasphemed by the Gentiles. So I want to encourage you guys, pursue godly jealousy. Study it out. Understand it. I don't want to hear that it brings about wife beating and all that garbage. That's not godly jealousy. Godly jealousy is where when you see a violation to a covenant relationship with God, you rise up and take godly action against it. It includes the lack of... Not having it includes the gross lack of church discipline that we see in the church today and the gross abuse of church discipline that we see in certain churches that excommunicate and disfellowship and defame everybody that they seem to disagree with. There's a right way to handle it because its goal is restoration. So let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the blessing of this life in Christ. Lord, I pray that you would stir in our hearts to be men and women jealous for you, jealous for the relationship that you desire to have, that you purchased with your own blood because you were jealous for us. So I entrust these students to you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is delivered live and streamed daily weekdays at 8.15 a.m. and weekends at 9.15 a.m. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. We invite you to visit us at the beautiful Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado for a day, a week, or an entire season of gospel-centered spiritual training. Learn more at ellerslie.com. Thanks for listening.